This is purely art. We create magic over here. Uh. From the day that you start training, you take an oath to real life and fantasy. You upholding them both. want more and so you stay in peak condition your body's your temple and perfection is your mission the physical and mental steady tripping falling slipping becoming quick and nimble until a thing is missing from your set of credentials from body slams to arm drags and headlocks to back breakers to suplexes and leg drops it's real to us from day one we will never fake it we learn how to dish it out we learn how to take it from figure fours and lyrics to atomic drops to drop kicks and moon salts and ankle locks the feeling is there and we will always act on it don't step into this ring if you don't want your back on it canvas this is purely art and we do it on this canvas if you don't want it then don't step foot on this canvas it's our passion and we spend years on this canvas always leave our blood sweat and tears on this canvas we keep it moving we never pause on this canvas whether we hear rules or applause on this canvas we do it from the heart we do it on this canvas this is purely art Now, Inside the Indies with Tim Farley. Hello, and welcome to Inside the Indies with none other than me, Tim Farley. Uh, might be wondering, what was that intro? I did not hear that before. Uh, that was the beat that I had last week, and or last episode and i got my friend from detroit he's an mc named the donny boy to lay the track with some vocals i think he did a fantastic job uh he has a album out called dreaming azure that you could check out on configuration records and i believe himself and fro magnum have dropped a three song ep uh, he is a very good MC and wordsmith, as you could tell. Uh, go support him uh, in any way, shape, or form. Now, with that being said, we are here to talk about a couple of shows. Those shows are West Coast Pro Wrestling's I Hate You With a Passion and Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor 2021. <clears throat> now. I know a lot of wrestling fans may disagree with ROH being on Inside the Indies. But I did a poll a couple months ago asking if ROH, NWA, and Impact should be eligible for uh, my reviews on this 
segment, and it was overwhelmingly yes. While I see promotions in tiers, and I wouldn't necessarily say those three promotions are indies, I want to cover them, so I'm going to do what I want. Now, let's get into the first show. West Coast Pro Wrestling's I Hate You With A Passion. The first match was Juicy Finale, Midas Creed, and Nick Wayne against Lucas Riley, D-Rogue, and Serza. Juicy Finale and D-Rogue start with a test of strength, but D-Rogue gets out quick and Serza tags in and Juicy tags Midas. Nice exchange of dodges until Midas hits a dropkick and Wayne and Riley get tagged in. Nick Wayne with an incredible chain into a crucifix pin. Nick Wayne flies around attacking Riley and Rogue, hitting a 619 on Rogue, but Rogue caught him with a big Samoan drop. Serza locks in a crossface, but Wayne gets out. Sent on from the outside over the top from Riley to Wayne for two. Midas Creed saves Wayne by getting the tag and goes off, but got caught after a tope con hero and gets apron powerbombed after a super kick. Finale comes with a flying clothesline. Serza with a German to Midas for two. Riley hits a standing moonsault on Midas for two. Huge spin kick from Midas to Rogue, turning the tide. Finale finally gets the tag and slams all of his opposition. Juicy lets Midas and Wayne jump off his back for drop kicks in the corner. Insane cutter by Riley to Wayne. Tilt-a-whirl inverted DDT by Creed to Riley. Finale starts dominating, and Midas stands on Finale's shoulders, hitting Serza with a 630 stomp, and Wayne pins Serza for the win. The heels were great at wrestling a tag match, isolating the young high flyers and making quick tags. Wayne and Midas would mount entertaining comebacks, but the X Factor was juicy for now. Good story, good action. Second match was Kevin Blackwood against heavyweight Hustle, well, I should say the aesthetic killer Kevin Blackwood against heavywood, ah, heavyweight Hustle, Calvin Tankman. Started with strikes, and Calvin hit Blackwood with a big knee to the face, and Blackwood took a powder. They did striking again with Blackwood kicking Tankman's leg, but Tankman ends up getting Blackwood in the corner and punishes him with punches. Blackwood hit the ropes, but Tankman chopped him down. Running the ropes, and Tankman hit a huge shoulder block that sent Blackwood outside. Blackwood tries to chop Tankman, but it has no effect. But Tankman's chops kill Blackwood. Blackwood got on Tankman's back and applied a sleeper then dropped down and sent him face-first into the ring post. Blackwood followed up with an apron penalty kick. Blackwood attempted for a fireman carry position, but Tankman was too much, and Tankman rocked Blackwood with a heavy forearm. After some stiff shots and many evasions, a pop-up spinning back elbow from Tankman found its mark, and both men fell to the ground. A rebound German suplex and a running knee gave Blackwood a two-count, Tankman with a big splash for two. Tankman went to the top and sent Blackwood down the front <clears throat> with a front suplex, but Blackwood jumped up and hit Tankman with a knee, then a modified Death Valley driver for two. 
Big lariat by Tankman and a powerbomb for two, but followed up with an elbow to the back of the head. But Blackwood ended up kicking out. Tankman goes for a driver of sorts, but Blackwood turns over and locks in another sleeper, and Tankman fell to the mat. Tankman got back up as Blackwood rained down elbows that eventually knocked out Tankman. This match exceeded expectations. Really enjoyed the MMA-based strikes from not only Blackwood, but also Tankman. Good psychology and in-ring work. At times, it felt very Bloodsport and never Division-esque. I would like to see a rematch. The third match was Jordan Oliver versus, versus Steven Tresario versus Chris Bay. Big breakfast and the ultimate finesser. Oliver wanted a two-sweep from Bay, and Bay refused. Bay slides through the second and bottom ropes for a dropkick to Tresario, but holds onto the ropes and traps Oliver in a head scissors and sent him over onto Tresario. Oliver with a suicide dive to Bay and Tresario, spinning DDT to Bay with a kick off Tresario by Oliver, missile dropkick to Oliver and senton combo to Bay by Tresario. Bay stomped Tresario's hands and followed with a shotgun dropkick for two. Bay in a tree of woe, German suplexed Oliver, who had Tresario in a superplex. Bay and Oliver hit Tresario with a jumping knee and a super kick simultaneously, sending Tresario to the outside. Bay stopped a clout cutter and hit a jumping kick to Oliver. Hangman elbow from the second rope by Bay to Tresario. Moonsault from the top by Tresario to both men and follows with a scissor kick to Oliver, an assisted scissor kick to Bay, then a top rope scissor kick to Oliver for the win. This was my first time seeing Steven Tresario, and he impressed. All three went hard. Many times Tresario was out, and Bay and Oliver would exchange blows until Oliver would take his eyes off Bay and bring Tresario back into the fray. Young, dumb, and broke. Yeah, kind of. The next match was Levi Shapiro versus the Samoan werewolf and friend of Armbar Audio, Jacob Fatu. Both men went full force as soon as the bell rang. Fatu rocked Shapiro with a headbutt that sent him outside, but Shapiro got Fatu back, catching him with an elbow on Fatu's suicide dive attempt. Attempt. Shapiro hit a big boot for two. They traded punches, and Fatu got the upper hand, but Shapiro hit a slide kick to change the momentum. Shapiro walked the second rope and hit a falling fist for two. Fatu hit a back handspring salt, uh, which I believe is called uh, like lycanthropy or shapeshifter or something like that, uh, but Shapiro caught him in a claw until Fatu slammed Shapiro into the turnbuckle and followed with a huge slap. Pile driver on the apron by Shapiro. Shapiro with a bunch of slaps, but a super kick and a pop-up Samoan drop, followed by the killing moon, but Fatu only gets a two count. Fatu goes for another kick, but Shapiro catches it, turns it into a discus punch, and hit a pile driver for the win. Shapiro brought the fight to the Simone werewolf. I was not expecting this to be as, a, as much of a contest as it was. 
I like that they were hot from the get go. Uh, but this this match was good. Uh, opened my eyes to Levi Shapiro, who I've been told to watch by uh, a couple people. The next match was New Japan Young Lion on Excursion Yuya Uemura against Vinny Masaro. Uemura's theme is TNT by ACDC, which I did not expect. A lot of groundwork to begin the match with locks and reversals. Big shoulder block sent Uemura down, but Uemura answered with two arm drags. Yuya targeted the left arm of Vinny with some nice submissions. Big butterfly suplex for two by Vinny Masaro. Stiff forearms were traded. Big backdrop suplex by Uemura for two. And Uemura transitioned into an armbar. Huge lariat from Masario. Masaro. Soaring elbow connects and hits a form of a T-bone suplex for two by Masaro to Uemura. Big crossbody by Uemura, followed by a crossbody off the top. And tapped Masaro out with an armbreaker. The match was a bit slow at times, but nothing they did didn't matter. I'm excited to watch Uemura's excursion, and being in there with a veteran like Masaro was a good booking decision. The next match was probably why this show was called I Hate You with a Passion. Titus Alexander against Starboy Charlie. We all know Starboy Charlie has been getting national acclaim on the independent scene. Uh, This was about two former friends and partners turned enemies. Alexander is jealous and boiling with hatred over Charlie's recent success. The match started off hot with Starboy with a tope suicida during Alexander's entrance and landing the strikes on the outside. Alexander uses the stage and ring post on Starboy, then sent Starboy inside, but Starboy springboarded out and hit a Rana, then hit a Rana off the top, in the ring. Big drop kick by Alexander slowed Starboy down. Multiple double stomps by Alexander. Starboy works on the arm and started to use the post to injure it more with wrenches and slams. Great short arm scissors by Starboy led to a power bomb of sorts by Alexander. Canadian backbreaker to Starboy and Starboy rolled to the outside. Moonsault off the second to the outside from Starboy followed by a missile dropkick inside, but Alexander hit a Death Valley driver in response. Alexander went for chaos theory, but Charlie got out and hit two dropkicks, a splash, and a sliding knee. Double stomp to the back of the neck for two by Alexander. Charlie locks in the arm submission that tapped Dickinson out, but Big Ugly, Alexander's dad, runs in and attacks Charlie. A big Michinoku driver to Starboy. Nick Wayne tries to help, but the father and son duo stop his efforts. They go to Concerto Starboy, but Jake Atlas comes down and scares them off. This one ended in a no contest, but it was damn entertaining and led to Starboy and Jake Atlas against Big Ugly and Titus Alexander on October 8th at No Leaf Clover, which is... West Coast Pro Wrestling's anniversary show, which will also have Daniel Garcia against Minoru Suzuki. 
The next match was Reno Scum against the Little Rascals, which was Myron Reed and Trey Miguel. Scum attacked before the bell, but Trey and Myron hit stereo kicks and tope suicidas, but Scum send them into the apron. Two big headbutts by Luster, but Myron kicked out. Really good tag offense by Reno Scum and Thornstone hit a standing moonsault for two. Miguel gets the tag and flies all over. I could not write down what he was doing. He The commentary kept comparing him to Spider-Man, and honestly, uh, I don't think they're wrong. Um, big assisted double stomp to Miguel's back. Miguel with a wild combo on both Reno Scum that had Thornstone DDT Luster. Scissor kick over the second rope to Luster, then a slingshot backdrop to Thornstone and a plancha to Luster by Reed. Double STO and the Lucha Bros wheelbarrow spot on Luster. Finley roll from Thornstone on Miguel into Reed in the turnbuckle. Then a DDT and German combo by Reno Scum to Miguel, but Miguel kicked out at two. Flatline through the second rope onto the apron by Miguel, and Reed jumps over the ropes and hits a cutter on Thornstone onto Luster on the outside from the apron. What's up, spot by Little Rascals for two. Doomsday device by Reno Scum and Luster pins Miguel. This match fucking ruled. Reno Scum should be signed somewhere. Little Rascals were going at 1,000 miles per hour, and Scum just wrestled a great tag match. Both teams showed respect after, and I loved it. The main event of this show was for the West Coast Pro Championship, held by Alexander Hammerstone against none other than AJ Gray. Hammerstone is the only champ in the promotion's history, holding it for 924 days and defending it seven times prior to this match. He won the title in a tournament where he defeated Tyler Bateman in the finals. Gray and Hammer locked up and both did the push into the turnbuckle and pat on the chest for mind games. Gray hit a supercharged capo kick, but Hammerstone beat down Gray in the corner. Outside and Gray hit a big backdrop, and a clothesline. They traded chops until Gray hit his hand off the post, which gave Hammerstone the opening for an apron powerbomb. Hammerstone hit a scoop slam and a big vertical suplex on the floor, which looked nasty. Gray with a huge spine buster then followed with a huge power slam and a leg drop off the top for a two count. Gray then went up top for the two cold Scorpio front flip leg drop off the top and Hammerstone responded with a suplex, but he missed it. And Hammerstone responded with a suplex and a gorilla press slam, but Gray kicked out. Gray hit a spine buster and a power bomb in succession for two and transitioned from the jackknife cover into a one-legged Boston crab. A la Lance Storm, but Hammerstone made it to the ropes Hammerstone hit a big missile dropkick and a variation of the F5 for a near fall. Gray followed Hammerstone to the top and hit a superplex. They traded haymakers until Gray caught Hammerstone with a back elbow. Hammerstone with a single leg shotgun dropkick. 
and went for the Nightmare Pendulum, but Gray turned the finisher into a cradle pin for two. Both men run the ropes, and AJ Gray connects with a colossal lariat to become the new West Coast Pro Wrestling Champion. After the match, Hammerstone put over the growth of the promotion, saying it was an honor and privilege to be the only man who held the title, and if he was going to lose it to anyone, he was glad it was AJ Gray, because Gray can take the promotion and run with it. Hammerstone and Gray hugged, and Hammerstone left. Gray picked up the mic and said, Hammerstone is one hell of a wrestler, but the title is his, and if anyone wants it, they're going to have to kill him. I took out the expletives. Because he is the motherfucking truth, and fuck is a very common word in his vocabulary. This match was big man business. Gray and Hammerstone brought it. Some good shots, big moves, a lot of changes in momentum. I'm a big fan of Gray, so I'm not unhappy he won. But I am wondering why they didn't wait for No Leaf Clover, the anniversary show, to have the title change hands. I Hate You With a Passion was a solid show, with the standouts being Kevin Blackwood versus Calvin Tankman, Charlie versus Alexander, the tag match, and AJ Gray versus Hammerstone. All the matches were worth watching. This was my second West Coast Pro show, and I'm looking forward to No Leaf Clover. I Hate You With a Passion gets a 7 out of 10 from Juan. Now on to Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor. Hour 1 started off with the ROH locker room surrounding the ring for a 10-bell salute to Daphne, which was great to see. Hour 1 had the 16-man honor rumble which was for a future shot on ROH TV at the World Championship. Number one was Brian Johnson, and it was in Philadelphia, his hometown, and he came out wearing tights that were the color of the old Eagles uniform, the the light green. Uh, He cut a hell of a promo, and Brian Johnson is really starting to come around for me. Um, I'm starting to care about his mecca versus everybody when before i was just like okay you you're just a you know a c-lister in ring of honor now he's starting to somewhere in the b area i think the second and third uh entrance were the the bouncers brian malonis and beer city bruiser Brian Malonis was second, and he came out wearing Steelers colors. So it was a clash of Pittsburgh, I mean, of Pennsylvania, which was kind of fun. Number four was Dan Housen. Five was Caprice Coleman, uh, who took off his jacket and shirt at the announce desk. And Ian Riccoboni was like, wow, where was he hiding that regarding his physique? Um, Number six was Sledge. Uh, who Dan Housen is trying to go after the six-man titles with Sledge and PCO, but we saw in this rumble that that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Caprice and the Beer City Bruisers were eliminated. Uh, Caprice eliminated one. The other eliminated Caprice, and I believe Johnson eliminated the other Beer City Bruiser. Number seven was PCO. 
which news just broke out that PCO does not plan on re-signing with Ring of Honor once his contract is up. I don't know when that is, but whatever. Uh, number eight was PJ Black. Number nine was Dak Draper. Number 10 was Silas Young. Draper eliminated Sledge. 11 was Ray Horace. 12 was Dante Caballero. Brian Johnson eliminated Danhausen. PCO short-circuited and eliminated himself. <clears throat> 13 was Flip Gordon, who shaved and is looking like his old self. Flip eliminated Silas Young. Number 14 was Joe Keys. Flip tries to too-sweet Dante and Joe, possibly thinking they are the Bucks, and they kick him away. Number 15 was world-famous CB. Draper eliminated Dante and Joe Keys. And number 16. Who was number 16? None other than Alex Zane. Zane eliminated Dak Draper, Ray Horace eliminated CB, Johnson eliminated Horace, PJ Black, Brian Johnson, Flip Gordon, and Alex Zane remained. Flip eliminated Johnson. Flip went to springboard as Zane was on the top rope. And as he was standing on the rope, Zane eliminated Flip. PJ hit a crossbody to Zane against the ropes. Both go over, but Zane held on and won. Zane has beaten Bandito before. Zane, Flip, Brian Johnson, and Dak Draper really shined in this match, as well as Caprice Coleman. I have eyes on Sledge as well. We get Maria Canellas talking about the women's tournament and hyping the tournament final for the ROH World's Women's Championship match between Roxy and Miranda Alizé. Roxy had defeated Sumi Sakai, Quinn McKay, and Angelina Love on her way to the finals, while Miranda Alizé defeated, defeated Alex Gracia, Nicole Savoy, and Trish Adora. Kenny King and Dragon Lee came out and cut a promo on their opponents for the six-man tag titles, Shane Taylor promotion. Kenny spit some venom, talking about killing the shepherd, and the sheep won't know where to go, cutting the head, and the body won't know what to do. And Dragon Lee talked about Roosh and put over LFI. <clears throat> then we got into the main show. The first match was Dalton Castle against Eli Isom. And this one has been boiling for a while. Dalton had scouted Eli Isom and Dak Draper uh, earlier this year and wanted them both, but Eli has not been on that track. He wants to make his own name. Castle picked the ankle before the bell, but Eli came back quick with a dropkick and a tope cone hero. Everybody's favorite move. Say it with me now. Tope cone hero. Eli threw Castle into the barricades and then inside hit a Northern Light suplex. Big release German by Dalton. Eli laid across the top and Dalton hit a knee to Eli's head as they both end up on the outside again. Castle with a big takedown and a sliding knee for two. Eli fought Castle off with strikes and followed with a big sidewinder slam for two. Eli went to throw Dalton inside, but Dalton hit the head scissors. Eli hit a pop-up neckbreaker for two. 
Dak Draper leaves commentary and pulls Castle out. Eli hits a moonsault on the baby chicks. Had Draper in the ring and hit a low blow to Draper. Dalton went for bangerang, but Eli rolled Dalton up for two. Dalton hit a back elbow and followed with a bangerang for the win. Dalton wins and is number one contender in the television championship division. I like this storyline. Draper and Eli are in the right position, and Dalton, a man who people thought was losing, losing it, has come back to the top. Dalton needed a lot of help to finish Eli Isom, but it did not hurt Eli Isom. Next, we got Jake Atlas against Taylor Rust. Two guys coming back from NXT. Now, we talked about Jake Atlas in I Hate You With a Passion. And I Hate You With a Passion happened on Friday. This show happened on Sunday. There was great chain wrestling to start. Rust targets the left arm. Rust caught a kick and locked in an ankle lock, but Atlas broke it. Rust stomps the elbow and both traded chops in the corner until Rust stomped the shoulder for two. Rust continued to maintain and lock onto Atlas's wrist. Atlas hit a super kick. Atlas went to pick up Rust but fell because of the shoulder, and Rust elbowed the shoulder over and over and then hit a soul food on the shoulder for two. Atlas blocked the perfect circle, but Rust locked in a modified Rings of Saturn for a quick tap out victory. Both will be on ROH TV in coming weeks. This was a good match. It definitely highlighted Taylor Rust more, but he was in the pure tournament and more. he's more likely to stay in ROH. But I would say that I would not be surprised if during this match, Jake Atlas uh, got his bell rung or something because it just seemed seemed a little too one-sided for me. Um, the next match was Lee Moriarty, LSG, and John Walters against Violence Unlimited of Chris Dickinson, Homicide, and Tony Deppin. Commentary congratulated Lee Moriarty on his signing with AEW, which was a classy move. Big GCW chance and signed Deppin chance. The ROHOG start and Walters grounded Homicide with a headlock despite a backdrop from Homicide. Dickinson and LSG get in and a lot of fast roll-ups till they trade ankle locks and Deppin and Moriarty get in. Fast-paced. Technical kicks, technical technical offense from Moriarty, kind of insane looking. I believe he had like a Guerrero special and like or like a, a bow and arrow, and he was spinning at one point. Uh, he was moving so fast and doing so many things. I I don't know. I don't know what he did. It was insane. Moriarty locked all of them in abdominal stretches until Walters and Homicide came back in. Walters used. Deppin to apply a sharpshooter on Homicide and then applied a camel clutch until Dickinson broke it. Violence Unlimited worked over Walters. Lung blower from Walters to Homicide and Dickinson and LSG tag in. LSG with a stunner and a kick for two. Yeah, that sounds weird, doesn't it? It's usually a kick to the gut and then a stunner, but it was a stunner and then a high kick. Uh, 
LSG hit Rocket by Baby on Dickinson and Springboards, but Deppin intercepted and hit him with a leaping knee to the chin, which just looked absolutely devastating. If I was Ron Funches and watching this, I would not want to get into that ring. Uh, Moriarty with a flying forearm to Dickinson. Walters with a dragon screw to Dickinson, a DDT to Homicide, and a double Muda lock. Deppin breaks it with a double stomp. LSG hit a crossbody to Deppin. Moriarty and Dickinson trade strikes. Homicide with a low-pay cannonball to everyone. Dickinson with a Death Valley driver on Moriarty for the win. This was a blink-and-you-miss-it match. Pretty damn fantastic. All of them were great. Check this match out. Moriarty will prosper. All of them will. Walters was really impressive as well. After the match, the foundation came down, minus Gresham. Lethal addressed LSG, Walters, and Moriarty. He put over the future of ROH, mentioning Eli Isom, the World's Women's Championship, LSG, and called Walters a legend. Jay Lethal told Lee he wished Lee would have stayed for the pure division. Lethal talked about the influence of Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Reckless Youth, and Alex Shelley. Lethal says the wrestling world is doing pretty damn good, but it's time for pure wrestling to become number one. Others come to the stage and Lethal puts over Gresham as a pure champion. Lethal says during the peak of the pandemic, people said pure wrestling was unique and new and cool. And while that's great, it isn't new, and it's the wrestling they all grew up watching and loving. This was a good moment. Uh, Jay Lethal was not booked, so of course ROH had to place their franchise players somewhere, and it made all the sense in the world to have him talk here, especially with Lee Moriarty getting signed to AEW. The next match was the Briscoes versus the OGK. The Briscoes are ranked number three, and the OGK are unranked. Big missile dropkick from Taven to Mark Briscoe. Jay stopped a low-paid doomsday device. Moonsault to the outside from Taven to Jay and Bennett. Mark performed a big dive off the top rope and landed on both opponents at ringside. The Briscoes isolated Taven. Briscoes showed great ring IQ and tag team chemistry as one would expect. Bennett planted Jay with a Spicoli driver. Super kick from Taven and a spear by Bennett stopped Mark Mark Briscoe's offense. Mark with a blockbuster off the apron to Taven. Mark performed froggy bow on Taven and had him pinned, but Bennett broke it up at the last moment. Mark had a chair that he set up by the ropes. Mark used the chair as a springboard to dive onto Bennett at ringside. In the ring, Jay set up Taven for a J-Driller, but Taven countered into an inside cradle and scored the pin. This match was a very good show of tag team wrestling. Briscoes are always worth watching, and the OGK OGK needed the win. Taven and Mark Briscoe really shined here. Uh, I would say that I don't quite understand the booking of Taven. I guess since he lost to Vincent, maybe he's starting where starting over where he started in the tag team division. Um, that's okay though, because we'll talk about Ring of Honor and 
altogether at the end. Uh, the next match was the Pure Championship. Jonathan Gresham defending against Josh Woods, another friend of Armbar Audio. They both locked into a Greco-Roman knuckle lock and traded positioning for a while. Both men used a rope break around four minutes in. They were tangled up in the rope, and the referee counted against both men. Woods took Gresham down with an arm drag, and Gresham brought Woods down with a head scissors. Woods went to the top, but Gresham threw his leg over and drop-kicked Woods' hand. Gresham went up top, but Woods jumped up, elbowed Gresham, and did a kind of suplex to bring Gresham down. They got tied up in the ropes again around nine minutes. Gresham didn't release the hold, and the referee scolded Gresham, but he didn't rule it as a rope gate rope break for either man. Woods would ground Gresham, and Gresham would use his legs to put pressure on Woods' shoulder. Gresham and Woods got tied up in the ropes again around 10 minutes and 30 seconds, and this time the referee took another rope break away from both men. Both men ended up rolling around the ring in an inside cradle that resulted in both men being pinned. The match was rolled a draw. Gresham took the mic and told the referee to give the belt back to the timekeeper's table. He said there was no way in hell that he was going to allow a decision like that to tarnish his record. Gresham told Woods that he would be 13-0 as champion after tonight. He told the referee to start the clock again. Gresham and Woods shook hands and then exchanged hard slaps. They ended up tied up in the ropes and kept fighting, so the referee took away their final rope breaks at 13.05. Woods caught Gresham in a rear naked choke. Gresham faded, but he eventually came to life and broke out of the hold. They traded covers, including one that was in the ropes. Coleman pointed out the referee continued to count that pin, that pin because they had burned through their rope breaks. Woods caught Gresham leaping off the ropes with a knee to the head. Gresham came back and hit Woods with a series of elbows to the neck and then hooked him in a crucifix for a near fall. Gresham applied an ankle lock. Woods rolled out of the hold and then applied an ankle lock of his own. Gresham grabbed the bottom rope and pulled himself over the apron, but Woods pulled him back to the middle of the ring. Gresham kicked his way free. Woods performed a rolling suplex into a bridge and appeared to have the pin, but the referee stopped his count and claimed that Gresham had a shoulder up, which the broadcast team seemed to question. Woods came back with a bridging suplex for a near fall. Gresham hit Woods with a shot to the back of the head and got another two count. Gresham had Woods in an arm submission hold, but Woods powered him up and performed a suplex from a tombstone position and ended up scoring the clean victory. Rick Aboni and Coleman noted that Woods has fought, lost his father over the last couple weeks. They said his father was scheduled to see Woods wrestle in person for the first time at Death Before Dishonor. Gresham took the belt and strapped it around the waist of Woods, who then celebrated with the championship. This was a struggle between Woods' power and endurance and Gresham's IQ and speed. They traded literally everything. Tit for tat, they went, giving the fans and viewers at home a true, pure battle. I love that Woods is getting the push, and Gresham doesn't have to prove his worth at all. This is a great match. Next was the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championships up for grabs when LFI of Kenny King, Dragon Lee, and Bestia Del Ring 
fought against Shane Taylor promotions of Shane Taylor, Khan, and Moses. King attacked Shane with a chair before Shane got in the ring, and O'Shea Edwards took Shane's place as Shane was deemed not able to compete. Dragon Lee and Khan start off after King and Edwards tag out as soon as, pretty much as soon as the bell rang. A lot of fighting in the corners resulting in Dragon Lee going for a dropkick, but Khan leaving the ring and Moses putting Lee down. Bestia and Moses trade sh- traded shoulder blocks until Bestia put Moses down. Big splash in the corner by Moses, but Bestia knocks him down with a lariat. Edwards and King got in, and Edwards caught a spinning kick and spine-bustered King. Big leg drop from Kenny King to Khan. Bestia and Lee with splashes to Khan and a double drop kick to Khan's back. Moses picked up Lee from the ground and delivered a huge powerbomb for, du- for two. Snap power slam to Lee from Edwards for two. Edwards with a sit-out powerbomb to Lee and a pop-up cutter to King from Moses. LFI triple team con, but Edwards breaks the pin. Moses picks up King and Khan hits a DDT. Edwards follows with a top rope splash, but Bestia stops the count. Bestia with a plancha to Edwards, Khan with a plancha to Bestia, and Lee with a tope con hero. There it is again. Moses with the apron cannonball to everyone. King hit a spine buster and followed with a blockbuster to Moses. But Taylor comes in and whacked King with a chair. And Moses got the pin after Taylor retreated. Edwards getting some shine was awesome. Love how King's promo foreshadowed his attack on Shane. Love Shane getting King back with the chair. In my opinion, Dragon Lee's character does not fit his faction. He's a little more of a face than LFI are. Um, I know that Roosh is his brother and Bisya is his father, but it just, they got to get him going bad. I don't know. Uh, Shane Taylor Promotions winning was the right move. As Shane Taylor Promotions, I believe, are the only team to make anyone give a shit about these titles. Next was the penultimate match, ROH World Women's Championship, Roxy versus Miranda Alizé. Alizé smacked the handshake away. She did not want the code of honor. They exchanged holds until Roxy locked a bridging hammer lock. They exchanged arm rings and kept switching holds on the ground until both retreated. Head scissors by Alizé but Roxy to Roxy, but Roxy cartwheels out. Alizé slaps Roxy, but Roxy pummeled Alizé. Alizé slammed Roxy from the corner down to the mat for two. Splash in the corner, face wash, drop kick in the corner, and snap suplex, and Alizé covered, but only got two. Lucha arm drag from the apron in by Roxy, but Alizé stops it and bit the fingers of Roxy. Basement Rana from Alizé for two. Roxy with double knees in the corner and a Thez press off second for a two count. Russian leg sweep followed by a standing moonsault by standing moonsault knees for two by Roxy. Ripcord knee for two by Alizé. 
Alizé hit a GTS, but Roxy kicks out three times. DDT from the second rope, but Roxy kicks out again. Alizé locks in Miranda's rights, but after a good amount of time, Roxy got to the ropes. Roxy pulled Alizé out and threw her into the barricades and followed with a low pay. Alizé hit a baseball slide and a low pay in response, and they both were out on the outside. Both got back in right before the 20 count. Alizé hit a cutter but waited too long, and Roxy hit a running knee. Crucifix pin into Miranda's rights, but Roxy turns it over and locked in a crossface of her own, but Alizé turned it into a cover for two. Two super kicks, drive-by attempt, but Roxy caught Alizé with a super kick and a code red, and Roxy won the ROH World Women's Championship. Roxy's family congratulated her in the ring. Her mother hugged her first, and her stepfather picked her up. This was an awesome match. I feel they could have went either way, but I was pulling for Roxy. Uh, Alizé is a fantastic heel. Roxy is a fantastic babyface. It's refreshing that ROH went with two newer faces than some of the regular faces in the tournament. This was good stuff. I recommend it. And then we got the main event, which was a four corners elimination match for the ROH World Championship. Bandito against Brody King against Demonic Flamita against EC3. Flamita pushed Brody King and EC3, then slid out of the ring. When Bandito came closer, Flamita pulled Bandito to the outside. Inside the ring, EC3 and Brody King battled, Brody laying in hard chops and tossing EC3 around, while EC3 responded with a fez press and pummeled King on the ground. EC3 hit a clothesline that sent both men to the outside. Flamita and Bandito came back in, and there was a lot of fast-paced dodging. Bandito hit a head-scissors takedown, but Flamita back handspring off the ropes and backflipped onto his feet. Another attempt at the head-scissors takedown, where it seemed like Bandito would never stop rotating, took Flamita down, and to the outside, Flamita went. Bandito with a Fosbury flop to Flamita and a Tope Suicida with such velocity to Brody King the Bandito flew into the crowd. EC3 hit a STO variation on Bandito for two and hit Flamita, Flamita with a TKO onto his knee. As Brody went for a superplex on Bandito, EC3 powerbombed Brody off the top, threw Bandito off the top onto Brody, then powerbombed Bandito onto Brody. EC3 was setting up for the butterfly driver on Bandito, when Flamita hit him with a chair. The referee was at ringside checking on Brody King and missed Flamita's chair shot, but he spotted EC3 and disqualified him. Flamita laid in the corner and laughed about what happened. Flamita stood up and offered Bandito a handshake with the hope that they would work together. King clotheslined by his opponents, clotheslined both of his opponents, they responded with a double super kick and some tag team moves, including a double moonsault. Bandito and Flamita hugged. They continued to work together, and both men got two counts on King. King fired up and went after both men. King positioned Bandito on the ropes, 
but Flamita put him in a doomsday device position, and then Bandito performed a top rope Hurricane Rana on King. Riccoboni called it a Tijuana destroyer. King ended up at ringside. Bandito shot Flamita over the top rope onto Brody King. Bandito went up top and performed a moonsault onto King and Flamita. Back in the ring, Flamita set up for a muscle buster on Bandito, but King broke it up and hit the all-seeing eye on Flamita and pinned him. Bandito and King shook hands. King hit some power moves on Bandito and got a good near fall following a pile driver. King placed Bandito on the top rope and blasted him with a shot to the chest. King went to the ropes. and Bandito returned the favor with a chop that knocked King off the ropes. Bandito performed a snap rana for a near fall. Bandito performed a crucifix bomb for another fall, near fall. Bandito performed a top rope shooting star press and went for the pin, but King kicked out at one. King popped up and turned Bandito inside out with a lariat. King set up for a gonzo bomb, but Bandito rolled him into a pin. Bandito rolled Brody King around in that position and eventually used a La, La Magisterial Magistral to get the pin. After the match, King congratulated Bandito and left the ring. Foundation members Jay Lethal, Red Titus, Jonathan Gresham, and Tracy Williams walked out applauding. The Foundation entered the ring and shook hands with Bandito. Gresham had an especially long handshake with the champion. Vincent, Dutch, Bateman, and Vita Von Starr walked onto the stage dressed in all white and applauded while Riccoboni closed the show. This match was fun as hell. I would have rather seen Flamita be the last opponent for Bandito, given their history and how they worked together during the match. Flamita should have turned and got the pin on Brody instead of Brody eliminating Flamita. The EC3 elimination made sense, seeing how EC3 is running his own shows, working the indies, and controlling his narrative. Loved the respect for Bandito, but Bandito needs a hot opponent. And Alex Zane may be it. Or, as that long handshake was, maybe it's Jonathan Gresham. Death Before Dishonor was a decent show. Nothing felt like a letdown. Younger talent were shown spotlight. the spotlight. The women's division has a champion, and Bandito is gaining the respect of his peers as he stands alone among many factions. This felt like a build-up show and not a blow-off show, and that's okay. I give Death Before Dishonor between a 7.5 and an 8 out of 10. And that is Inside the Indies with me, Tim Farley. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Check out both of these shows. West Coast Pro is on IWTV. You could watch the ROH show on Honor Club or Fight. Um, I do not know when the next Inside the Indies will be, but I know it will be great. Uh, And with that, wherever you are in the world, whether it's morning, noon, or night, you have a great one in peace and love. To all of you, bang.